Welcome to the Transformation Talks podcast, in-depth conversations on transformation with Rajiv Dingra, founder and CEO of RDNX Network. Hi everyone, welcome to Transformation Talks podcast. Today is an exciting, exciting day because we have someone whom I am very eagerly looking forward to talk to. Uh, he is Eric Redman, a 20-year veteran technologist who always happens to be where history is made, from creating the first iPhone apps to data pioneer to early Bitcoin investor. He has been an advisor to state and national governments in U.S., to Fortune 100 companies and groups as varied as the World Economic Forum and MIT Media Lab. He has authored half a dozen technology books, including the latest soon-to-be-published one called Deep Tech. That's one I'm looking forward to. Uh, it talks about uh, a lot of things which we are going to talk to uh, Eric about. He's also a prolific speaker who has spoken on every continent but Antarctica. That'd be quite freezing if he spoke there. And currently leads the global technology innovation team at Nike. So we are very excited to welcome Eric. Eric, welcome to Transformation Talks. Yeah, Rajiv, uh, happy to be here. Thank you for uh, for having me. Great, Eric. Eric, uh, you know, we've, we've just, all of us globally, the world has become a small place uh, since last year. And, you know, you've been uh, in, the, in the, you know, heart of technology over the last uh, two decades. How do you see the year that's gone by, the pandemic, year 2020? And what, what changes do you think it has brought about for the coming decade? I mean, I think the, the, the biggest and most obvious change that people are going to notice or have seen and, and lived um, because of all of the lockdowns, because retail outfits have been closed, because grocery stores have been closed, um, globally, you're seeing a huge spike in e-commerce sales. Um, and by most accounts, uh, it's not that these trends weren't going to happen, um, where uh, a majority of, of sales for certain brands and certain companies are happening online and direct to consumer rather than um, uh, through wholesale channels um, and, and physical retail outfits. It was going to happen anyway. What's, what's I think surprised everyone is just the acceleration of five to 10 years in many cases. So some of the, 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 the places we thought we wouldn't be to until 2030 are today interesting and and you know you you lead the global innovation uh, technology innovation team at at nike so tell us a little bit about uh, a bit of the work uh, that nike has done uh, which its philosophy and approach towards technology innovation uh, you know you know do you have any uh, anything to share with us we'd love to know more about that exciting stuff you're doing at nike yeah, um, uh, the, one of the downsides about being in an innovation team is I can't talk about most of the work I do because uh, uh, it's, it's confidential, but I can uh, talk about some of the things that have been made um, public, whether by my team or, or the company as a whole. And one, I sort of alluded to that, that sort of spike in direct-to-consumer through digital channels um, is, 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 has been talked about. Uh, quite a bit. I mean, um, you know, on, on our last earnings call, uh, they talked about the fact that 15% um, of Nike sales are now direct, where 
Um, we didn't think we would be there until 2025, 2026. Uh, so it's really accelerated by, by half a decade. Um, the other, the, the other uh, kind of work we, we, we focus on is just, uh, look, there's digital transformation going on. And just like any company, we're focused on that. Um, and there's sort of two sides of digital transformation, right? There's the um, how do you uh, digitize your internal process, digitize your supply chain, um, add uh, you know, traceability of assets and that kind of thing. On the other side, there's how do you meet consumers who are increasingly living in a digital world, um, not, not to mention um, the generation Gen Z that's growing up now and they're just kind of coming into the consumer market and they live online. And it's, it's, it's very disruptive, I think, to a lot of companies where, um, and I'm not talking about Nike specifically, just uh, in general, it used to be that uh, as long as you delivered well and delivered efficiently, um, you, were doing really, you were doing a good job, um, but it's not enough now. And uh, what I think brands are starting to realize is there's not a distinction anymore between your digital strategy and your physical strategy. Um, Gen Z kids don't separate their lives between living in the digital world and living in the physical world. They're one and the same. And so um, the, the, the companies and brands that are going to be the most successful going forward are the ones that internalize and understand that and, and are working on making that a reality today. And that's really what the book is about is, is this, this next decade of, 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 of transformations that are going to unlock that, that requirement. That's interesting. What you're really saying is that, you know, we should stop calling it digital transformation and just transformation that companies need to make for the new world order that we face today. Right. Yeah. And, I would go even further and say that this, this now is just the cost of doing business. Um, and, and that that's requiring a wholesale think of it. I'll, I'll give an example. I, I, I've seen more uh, books and articles, for example, um, talking about how important it is for the CFO and CIO of corporations to be working together and in lockstep over the last year than I have in the previous decade before. Um, before technology was viewed just like any other function in a company. And it's now being, I think, understood that this isn't even a market differentiator anymore. Uh, this is a matter of survival. You either, you either do technology well or you won't be here in 10 years. That's interesting. You know, I read somewhere and, and it, it, I don't know who, who said this, but uh, do you concur with the, uh, with the fact that in the future or in the very uh, near future, most companies are going to be software companies, at least the ones that survive. But their competitive advantage will come from software uh, as well or the, how they use software to deliver what they are delivering. Yeah, I believe, I believe that was an Andreessen Horowitz quote from about a decade ago, and it was all, all companies are software companies, I think was, was, was the quote. Yes. And um, not only do I, I agreed with that then, um, yeah, it, it's necessary, but um, at this point, it's like saying all companies are finance companies. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you don't have your finances in order, if you don't understand your cash flow, if you don't under, you don't, if you don't have a strong, you know, uh, balance sheet and P and L and all of that, um, you're not going to be a very healthy company if you don't understand that. Um, and I think every, I think any 
major company does understand that very well. Uh, what I think they're starting to wake up to is they have to have this same um, frame of mind when it comes to technology. I mean, I, and, and I, I talk about CIO or CEOs, for example, it's like it used to be that if you were a CEO, you, you, you had a pretty good handle on your finance, you had a pretty good handle on uh, your marketing and sales uh, channels, um, and you, you, you had a sense of what your consumer needed, you were a pretty good CEO. Um, I, I think now we're getting to the point where you have to understand technology as well. You can no, you can no longer be ignorant of um, the technology that's transforming everything. And that's really uh, what this book is about, is, is it's educating um, senior leaders and executives on the basics of, because um, it's not just one or two things anymore. It's not like, you know, the last decade was all about cell phones. And if you understood apps and cell phones, you were probably doing all right. And you understood the web, you were probably doing all right. Now, you've got to understand AI, you've got to understand extended reality, you've got to understand IoT, I mean, just on and on and on. It's, it's becoming too much. And so um, I, there is going to be a minimal literacy uh, necessary to be a successful leader over the next decade. That's fascinating. And, and do you think this, this uh, transformation that's going to be driven by deep tech, do you think uh, businesses will need to, uh, you know, make a lot of a talent transformation in-house uh, or uh, they can get by uh, through external uh, help and consulting, so as to say? You know, I think, I th I think it's both. Um, I think you are seeing a move towards more uh, flex forces and combinations um, of, I mean, you, you, one thing that the global pandemic has done is shown companies that you don't need to have everyone co-located in the same office building in order to be successful. Um, we've been doing business pretty well over the last year through, well, Zoom, I mean, we're doing this call um, uh, uh, over a video conference as well. Um, and that, that has interesting implications because we've been forced to run this experiment. And the outcome is, yeah, you can actually start hiring people anywhere. Um, some of those people are going to be um, full-time. Some of those people are going to be uh, part-time sort of gig economy experts. Some of those people are going to be um, contractors. Um, I, I think that um, it's opening up um, a, a world for more flexibility when it comes to what, what your workforce is. Or where they are. Or where they are, yes. Fantastic. Uh, let's get to the, uh, the, the, the seven technologies that you know, we've noticed you mentioned uh, in, in, in the teaser website about your book. Uh, tell us more about what are these seven technologies? How are they going to disrupt the next decade according to you? And uh, you mentioned they're probably going to create a $100 trillion impact. So tell us a, a lot more about it. Yeah, yeah. Take so us the through seven, these seven. Yeah, so the, se the seven technologies um, are sort of the top of a whole list, by the way. The, the, the list can go on and on. Um, but the top seven are artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, uh, which we're already seeing a big impact there. Um, extended reality, which is virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality. Um, you know, you're, for example, for virtual reality, you're, you're seeing um, uh, Oculus uh, 2. I just found out that Oculus 2, there are over 60 apps that are making a million dollars in revenue on it. Um, that's pretty huge for um, a, a modality that hasn't really been practical for more than a year or two. 
um, augmented reality. So you've got HoloLens, Microsoft's making some big bets behind that uh, mixed reality as well. Um, Internet of Things, uh, IoT, obviously, um, you know, there, there are a lot of companies that are already making um, uh, tremendous gains and installations of, of this. And, and I'll go back to IoT uh, in, in a bit. And by, because I, I think it's sort of fascinating uh, in the world of how IT departments are going to have to operate in the future because of IoT specifically. But um, uh, IoT, by the way, includes um, uh, uh, wearables, for example. I would say that in wearables, wearables are IoT. It's just you are the thing that is being interneted. Um, and uh, uh, smart homes and smart cities and all of that. Um, the, the fourth one is autonomous vehicles. Uh, I give that its own um, section rather than robotics in general. I do believe that robots will uh, are a big part of this, autonomous robots. You know, I've, 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 I've met with the guys and been able to drive the spot robot for Boston Dynamics. It's, it, it's so simple to use. It's, it's pretty fascinating to see in the future. The only reason I shy away from the word robots, because I think the autonomy is the interesting part here, is um, there, a, a friend of mine is fond of saying, he say, we only call things robots that are unreliable, because once they're reliable, we just call them washing machines. <laughs> we'll just call them what they do. Um, and so uh, <laughs> autonomous vehicles are definitely, I think, going to be the most transformative of all of those sort of body of autonomous robots. Um, the next is is cryptocurrencies. Obviously, we're seeing this big uh, spike in um, in Bitcoin right now. I think it's between hovering between thirty and forty thousand a coin again. Um, interestingly enough, when I when I started writing this book, that was the first chapter I wrote, which was two years ago, and I was talking about two thousand seventeen. And it's funny to see that a book that's not even out yet is already <laughs> is already a bit dated uh, because I should have been talking about you know. 2020. Um, however, uh, yeah, it's, there's cryptocurrencies and there's sort of the backing technology of blockchain and distributed ledger technology, which is sort of the general. Do, do you see a lot of opportunity for blockchain and distributed ledger uh, in, in the enterprise space? I mean, that's also in yeah. some way, uh, we, you know, is blowing up with the big, big guys investing into the technology stack and not the currency stack, if I may call it, of the same technology. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a good question. Actually, I will get back to that. I, I want to get through these last two and then we'll, we'll loop sure. back around the election. Sure. It is a fascinating uh, topic. Um, the next one is additive manufacturing, aka 3D printing um, uh, is, is what we call that. But really, it's, it's computer managed uh, uh, manufacturing. What makes 3D printing so fascinating um, is because it's additive, uh, it, it allows you to create uh, unique individual designs that you can't really do with subtractive manufacturing in, in, a, in some cases, but you can also do them um, individually, which is where we, we call it each is at scale or, or, or individuals at scale or unique at scale. Um, so, you know, imagine a world, for example, you 3D print shoes and they're, they're designed specifically for your foot. Um, uh, that's where I think, and plus it allows the unlock of new materials. So 3D printing is another sort of fascinating um, trend. The last one um, I put out there, it's it's really sort of the end of the decade, but it's quantum computers. Um, and quantum computers are out of all of these technologies, the only ones that aren't really being used in industry today. Although I did just read about BMW is going to start um, using quantum computers to optimize parts of their supply chain. 
which is fascinating. I think that was just published yesterday. Um, so they're starting to get some use. They're getting powerful enough um, for a certain class of problems. But by the end of the decade, um, once some of this uh, basic research is out of the way and the investment has been made and they're being scaled, quantum computers, I think, more than anything else on this list are going to be probably the most disruptive technology. That's fascinating. And and you mentioned you wanted to come back to IoT yeah. and blockchain. So let's let's go back to those two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so uh, blockchain uh, specifically. So uh, I was on a committee with the World Economic Forum um, focused on using blockchain and supply chain, um, sort of making some recommendations on how this could be used. And what was interesting was uh, the topic of conversation was never about the technology. The technology is there. It works. That's not really the question. Um, the, the question is, are you using it for the right uh, purposes for the right use cases, and is is uh, what's the governance model uh, look like? Because the whole point of blockchain is that you you add something to the blockchain and it's not removable. So um, should that be the case uh, when you're talking about sort of industrial scale supply chain applications? And if that if that isn't the case and changes do need to be made who can make changes and doesn't the very fact that you can make changes destroy the whole value of the blockchain. So it becomes sort of this interesting circular conversation. Um, and so every conversation really becomes about governance at the end of the day. Um, blockchain I think is interesting because the conversations that it's forcing to be had um, between companies. I mean, the idea that I have my company and you have your company and um we are competing um, against each other, and you know we might we might cooperate through very specific channels. Is 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 going to start opening up a bit, um, where companies cooperate through consortiums on a deeper level. Um, for example, say that you're um, a company that makes a product, and you have a whole lot of retail uh, wholesale partners. And uh, I, I, as the manufacturer, you put your inventory on blockchain. Um, the retail customers can now see what the total inventory is, not just in their own doors, but also in potentially their competitors' doors. Now, you might think that that's a bad thing, but for those who are part of that consortium and they can choose what they would put on this um, network, um, imagine a scenario where I'm a customer and I walk into a store and I want to buy this product and we don't have it in stock, but your competitor down the street does have one in stock. Um, there's a few ways you can play that. And what you can do is just say, look, I'm just going to, I'm going to buy it from that store and I'm going to have somebody run down there. It's two blocks away, grab it, run it back and hand it, put it in the customer's hands right now and not tell them, Hey, you know, you're going to have to wait, you know, usually the answer is, well, we'll just drop ship it to you or, uh, you know, you can order it online, we'll order it for you, get it in, in a week. Um, no, this is this would be, a, hey, can you wait two minutes and we'll go get it for you? And, and we, you know, you could call that a deep back, back of house, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, that's an example of, I think, how blockchain can unlock capabilities to better serve the consumer. Um, I'll give another example of blockchain where I think it's actually very valuable. So that's what sort of consortium view. 
Another interesting thing yeah. about blockchain, if you break down the technology, um, the idea is that all nodes, all computer nodes in this network are equal. So say that you have a bunch of countries that want to coordinate with each other um, for um, tracking customs. Uh, so, okay, I mean, uh, you know, you know, you want to digitize the customs forms right now, it's all paper, you get a bill, you know, bill lading, you get all the goods and you, 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 you take off the paper and you write them on the customs form and say, all right, we, you know, we check this out um, in the port of entry and uh, it goes on. You want to digitize that information. The problem with the cloud as it exists today is imagine you go to um, Brazil and say, hey, uh, country of Brazil, we want to help you digitize all of your customs forms. However, all of that data is going to live um, in uh, a cloud uh, data center that is in Portland, Oregon in the United States. A lot of countries aren't necessarily comfortable with that prospect and say, well, That's I'm not going to sign up for digitizing it because I want this data to live in my own walls. Blockchain creates an opportunity where every country can be part of this network, but they hold um, their own data and um, the access to what they add to the node. But because it's provably safe because of the blockchain technology, all of the countries can coordinate and align. So it, 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 it's sort of a, a deep technical value, but you're never going to unlock that value unless on a, at least high level understand how the technology works, which again is what this book is about. That's fantastic. That, that just means that uh, a lot of the CXOs uh, would need to, uh, at many levels, immerse themselves into the understanding of deep tech and how the tech works to be able to fully exploit how to make it applicable to their businesses and which parts of their businesses uh, mm -hmm. they can make it applicable, so as to say, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I think years ago, Seth Godin, um, who's um, uh, very famous in the marketing world, um, was imploring companies and saying, look, you can't, you can't offload your marketing to someone else entirely. You can't offload your brain. You have marketing is about, you know, your message and your branding and um, your channels and your relationships with your consumers. You, you have to own that. Yes, you can get help from agencies, but ultimately you have to understand what it is um, that relationship with your consumers is. Um, and I think technology is now getting to that point as well, where you can't, you can't outsource your brain. You, you have to understand um, at least at some level um, how you can use this work or you're always going to be playing catch up. And, um, you know, nobody wants to be in that position where you're constantly trying to catch up with uh, competitors and, and, and sort of habitually giving them openings in technology. Yeah. And, and it's interesting you saying that because it, it looks like, you know, the, the earlier decades was about efficiency through technology and digitization. So you could have created a department that digitizes and then absorb it into the into the organization, you know, like physical retail and, and digital retail or e-commerce started like a division uh, in, in, in a large company, so as to say. But now uh, the technology that you are talking about can fundamentally disrupt uh, the business model itself of uh, the way... Uh, large businesses work because, you know, the supply chain impact of blockchain could pretty much disrupt, uh, uh, you know, uh, la large retailers or, or others. So as say, if, if somebody adopts it first or better 
than the others and is able to leverage it uh, as a competitive advantage for itself. Do you believe that? Yeah, I absolutely do. I mean, new, new technology is always disruptive. I think um, what, and, and, and again, um, I, I do think, I think it was Mark Andreessen uh, who, who, who had said, um, you know, that the, there's going to be, in the future, there will be two kinds of jobs. Those uh, who are told by computers what to do and those who tell computers what to do. And um, I, I think that can be expanded into uh, corporations. I mean, um, there are companies that deeply understand the value of technology. And I don't think it's fair anymore to call them technology companies. I mean, you look at Google. Um, Google, yes, they started entirely in the technology world. But right now, they're the world's largest, most successful advertiser. Um, that's what they are. They're an advertising company. It's where they make most of their dollars in ads. Um, the sure. fact that they leverage their technology um, advantage. Um, Amazon. Amazon is a supply chain company. Yes, they have a website. Everyone has a website. So the idea is that, oh, Amazon's a tech company. It's like, you know, barely. Um, you know, they're, they're a tech company in the sense that they leverage technology very, very well. Um, I mean, you look at the uh, you know, the top market cap companies. They're all companies other than other than Apple and Microsoft, none of them are tech companies per se. They just leverage tech very well. Interesting. Interesting. What, what, what would you term Tesla as? Car companies, software company? Uh, oh, man. I'd love oh, to know man. your view on this. <laughs> that, is a, that is a great <laughs> question. So, so this is what I say. Elon Musk is, is deservedly among the most richest men in the world because uh, what he's done, he has one trick. If you, if you really dig down to what he does, he has one trick and he does it very well. And that is he brings agile methodologies into literally every sector that he's focused on. So he, he started off, you know, they followed agile methodologies to create PayPal, then took that agility and brought it into Tesla, took that agility, brought it into SpaceX. Now he's taking that agility and bringing it into to Neuralink. And when you are at your core, an agile company that is comfortable leveraging technology, you're going to dominate any industry that you're in. I mean, I think um, it's, it's very right now when this is being recorded, um, Tesla market cap is greater than the market cap of all other car companies combined. True. And yeah. the, it, you know, you can, you, you, you can say what you want about, you know, does the stock market necessarily represent true value, but there is a belief out there. And I think a justified one that, that Tesla is playing a different game than any other car company, because right. what they're focused on is, is, is making um, endless, incremental improvements at scale with speed. And the theory is that no one's going to be able to catch up um, who is um, sort of in the old guard of doing things. Um, GM, sort of a large um, car company, uh, has announced recently um, that they're going to turn all their cars electric uh, over the next few years. Um, a few other companies tried this too. I, I think um, it wasn't BMW, maybe it was Volvo. And he's, the companies are trying this, but I think what they're missing is it's not about the electricity. It's not about the electric car. 
It's about um, the fact that they built out an infrastructure that allows them to maximize emerging technologies and constantly push updates to improve the user experience at scale. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a software that happens to have a car wrapped around it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it's exactly, well, and, and that's why they have the most efficient batteries. Yes, they have very good hardware, um, but they don't have access to a whole lot of hardware that others don't. Um, it's their software that really optimizes uh, the mileage that they get out of the, the batteries, you're right. Yep, yep, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, actually, it reminds me, uh, uh, I, I heard this uh, at, at, in, a, in a finance class, you know, the professor said that the role of a public uh, limited company CEO is to make the market dream in the long term, but deliver results in the short term, right? I think that's Tesla great. does that beautifully well, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, great. Uh, you know, we are, we're about at the end of our podcast, but I need to ask you about this term that I read, uh, you know, which is part of your book. And if you can, whatever you can tell us about this term and, and what it exactly means and, and why it should be important to see see uh, CXOs. It's, it's combinatorial innovation. Did I get that right? Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. Good word. Yeah. Yes. So, so what is this? Yeah. So, so it's, it's worth breaking it apart um, for, well, so the word combinatorial um, is sort of a math term that's been um, hijacked, uh, like all good sort of deep scientific and mathematical terms, um, you know, I think most famously by Y Combinator. Um, but, it, but, I, but I do think it's a very descriptive term. The idea behind combinatorial um, uh, uh, figures is that for every new um, variable, every new dimension, the space of opportunity explodes in, an, in a sort of growing exponential. I mean, uh, so it's, so think about the, you know, what's two to the power of two versus two to the power of three. Two to the power of two is four, two to the power of three is eight, two to the power of four is 16. Yep. And so these yep. numbers just grow, grow exponentially and get larger and larger. Right. That's really the whole idea between combinatorial creativity. And that is why this decade is unlike any other decade in history. Um, there, there is an economist term uh, called general purpose technology. And the general purpose technology uh, in a nutshell are technologies that are so innovative and so disruptive, they change how everyone lives their lives. So for example, um, uh, um, the steam powered engine uh, created this sort of great train network, which just changed the landscape of the entire world now that you can uh, quickly and efficiently ship goods um, uh, across land, which is something you, it was just, you couldn't do before. You had to go over water to, um, to do that. Um, another one is electricity. Uh, again, one of these general purpose technologies that created um, and sort of spurred on the Industrial Revolution. What's interesting about this decade is normally a, a, a general purpose technology will come every generation or so at best. There yeah. are seven general purpose technologies that are all coming together at once. AI, XR, IoT, autonomous vehicles, uh, blockchain, additive manufacturing, quantum computers. So if you consider that each one of those 
in its own right has the ability to completely disrupt the economic landscape and the way that people live their lives. Then you put them all together. That's what combinatorial innovation is. And that's why it's so important to actually understand the root of what these technologies are, because every new one expands the space of potential and possibilities exponentially. And that's what deep tech is. Deep tech as a term is not about the technology. It's about the utility. It's about the end users. And that's what's so interesting about this age because there's never been this many technologies all coming to a head that is going to completely disrupt how people interact with each other and with the world. That's, that's fascinating because, you know, the last decade, which I wrote uh, through my entrepreneurial journey was about social media. It looks like there are seven equally powerful trends like social media of last decade uh, or seven general purpose technologies, as you call them, right, uh, that are coming or seven social media uh, you know, yeah. uh, if I yeah. would call it, call them or, like or, that. Or se- seven, seven, seven mobile app web revolutions okay. all at the same time. I mean, it's, it's, Correct. it's crazy Correct. to think the, about. The, and, and, and what's interesting really is, again, it's about the utility. It's, it's really about um, how people decide to glue these together and wire them up. Like, if you're not already in AI, you're probably not going to make a fortune in AI. However, if you have a problem and you see there's an opportunity out there to combine uh, smart edge computing, so uh, the intelligent edge that combines AI and IoT, maybe it's backed by blockchain to make sure that um, you know the, the transactions are safe and secure, um, and maybe um, the network as a whole is um, kept real time with quantum computers, and maybe you manufacture them, it's, uh, them special, specialized at scale using uh, 3D printing. And I'm just making up some imaginary widget. I don't know what you would do with all of this, but that's where, that's the real disruption. Yep, yep. No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, even if you just look at 3D printing and AI, uh, you know, you could have an automated system of printing products uh, that are uh, required for, uh, you know, consumers. Like, mm-hmm. for, for example, shoes, right? Uh, AI, uh, uh, you know, takes uh, the measurement across, let's say, a million people's uh, foot sizes and is able to then create uh, 15 sizes that are more comfortable than the current uh, size connotations that we've been using in shoes, right? So uh, that's, I, I don't know if I was correct in understanding what you were trying to say, right? But that's the combination that you're talking about. Yes. Yes. Okay, fantastic. So uh, finally, you know, because we are almost out of time, give us uh, a two minute uh, reason uh, to look out for your book. And when is it coming out? I believe there's a there's a URL that people can sign up as well. Uh, Let me read it out to my listeners, thedeeptechbook.com. You can sign up there, but uh, so that we are not sitting in suspense, when exactly is this book out? And why should someone read it? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I just, I literally contacted my publisher yesterday to say, hey, when, when is this coming out? Um, it's, about, it's, it's about two months. Um, we, we pushed it out because, you know, a lot, a lot of reasons. We didn't want this to get caught up in the whole, like, end of 2020 mess. Um, yes. <laughs> but, uh, 
Um, it's a new year, and so it'll be coming out in a couple months. Uh, a correction: the, the URL is actually deeptechbook.com. I don't think there's a the, okay. Uh, okay, deeptechbook.com. Sorry, um, pardon uh, my mistake there. Deeptechbook.com. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, so uh, again, I mean, I, I would end with where we started. I mean, uh, the fact is, there is somewhere between fifty and two hundred and fifty trillion dollars um, of value to be unlocked over the next decade um, uh, driven by these technologies. And um, if, if you are an entrepreneur, if you are um, uh, an executive and not necessarily a technology executive, or if you're a technologist and just uh, wanna expand beyond your field, I'd say that um, this is, this is um, a narrative to get a sense of all of these technologies. Um, at the end of every chapter, I'll add this, there are actually further reading um, because the idea is I, I wanna inspire people um, to, to really dig into the details of these. And so each chapter is sort of a synopsis of each one of these technologies. But if you really wake up to the value of extended reality, for example, it's like, wow, I really wanna learn more. There are, there are definitely books uh, that I would highly recommend by by very good authors um, that that will allow you to dive even deeper into each one of them. Wow! Uh, thanks so much, Eric. Uh, this was a fascinating conversation. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are as energized as we both are. Uh, thinking about just this decade, it's not even too far into the future. Just ten years, you know. Uh, people think ten years is a lot. I mean, 2010 for a lot of us should seem like yesterday, right? Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and already Facebook, Google, YouTube are all there in 2010, but look at how the world has changed in 10 years. And, and now we are talking about seven uh, technologies that may transform uh, lives and millions and maybe billions of lives uh, for the better. Uh, fantastic, uh, Eric. This this was a very very exciting and interesting conversation. Thank you so much for taking out time and uh, talking to us at Transformation Talks. Thank you so much. Yeah, Rajiv. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Transformation Talks podcast hosted by Rajiv Dingra, founder and CEO of RDNX Network. Tune in next week for another interesting episode. 